0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with... Always typical, Lydia. Today's show we're gonna be doing the 2004 Hong Kong horror, Abnormal Beauty. Have we ever done a Hong Kong horror? Was uh, uh
1: Sick Nurses? No, is, is uh, not.
0: Was uh, Dream Home? Dream was Home. Was d- Dream Home? Hong, dream Home took place in Hong Kong. Yes. So maybe it was made in Hong Kong too. I wonder. Yes. All right then. So this is our second, our second deep dive into Hong Kong horror.
1: It just sounds good to say Hong Kong horror. Doesn't it? Just like it feels nice to say abnormal beauty, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So when we're picking films, as you guys know, if it's not from you, it's not from me. It's from Lydia. And since we were doing a block of Asian cinema, all of a sudden pulled the rug out from under me. I just so happened to look down to the table and be like, oh, what's this? Abnormal beauty. And then Lydia didn't ask. Told me that oh we're gonna do this after pulse
1: (laughs) that's exactly how it happened sir and you know it's a new addition to my roster i picked it up at turning point not long ago sean had had a stack set aside like he does tends to send aside these really awesome horror movies just in case we want pick of the litter, Mm -hmm. as it were and oh my this puppy was just begging and barking looking at me with his little hangdog eyes pick me pick me it said then I said, oh, about a photographer, a depressed photographer. Awesome. That sounds like right up my alley because I'd wanted to do the eyes of Laura Mars quite badly on the show. We talked about eyes of Laura Mars on me and Dave Fairhead on a previous episode of Kettle Whistle Radio. I've walked that path and I really enjoy eyes of Laura Mars, particularly for the photos that she has in her show. So the whole film isn't really a horror film. This, though, is and has a lot more stark photography and it's really very close to me because i do end up taking photos of roadkill and having taken journalism training there's something about you know the ambulance chasing idea of journalists where we don't mean to be morbid and we don't mean to be in people's faces but if there's an accident that happens in front of a journalist with a camera It's going to be a rare day that they don't start snapping photos, even if there's going to be photos that are unpublishable because of their morbidity. Um, If it bleeds, it leads is a saying for a reason, right? Uh, With all due respect to those who have deceased or are injured or the families of those people involved. When it comes to an artist, though, those ethics don't really come into play. When it comes to war photography, those ethics don't come into play. Because you are capturing what is in front of you. And it is the photo version of Cinema Verite, I suppose, where you're not going to be editing. You're not going to be worried so much about the ethics of what you're shooting because it is happening in front of you. And life is X-rated. Is that not what you said a few episodes ago?
0: Well, I say life is R-rated. Life is R-rated. Well, my life is X-rated. Well, sometimes my life is X-rated, too.
1: All of our lives are X-rated at some points. Yeah, but you could be X-rated for for gore. And, I could
0: be. I would rather yeah, morals. be morals. I'd rather be X-rated for explicit sexuality as opposed to gore. Thank you very much.
1: I'd rather be X-rated for gore and poor morals. Thank you.
0: Okay, but um, basically, yeah, the, and there is arguments from war correspondents who are challenged on ethics, or when atrocities are happening in front of them, and you don't step in, you don't try to stop anything, you just document and they use the argument of war correspondence in which you just, you were a fly on the wall. You were meant to document. You were not meant to interfere.
1: Yes, exactly. If it came to a point where somebody needed to step in to save lives, I can't see anyone with a camera in their hand, you know, foregoing that. If it is a lost cause, though, that's exactly what you're there for is to take photos. Uh, from an artist's point of view, who's not in wartime, you're normally not in a situation where it is really, truly life or death. Uh, another film that comes to mind is Nightcrawler. Have you seen that?
0: No, that Jake Gyllenhaal picture. No, I never saw it.
1: And a lot of people haven't, and I'm not sure why. It is a beautiful film. And maybe this is just because this is where I'm coming from as a journalist and photographer, that I definitely seek out these these films. And I, I'm, a, I'm not a Gyllenhaalic,
0: mm-hmm. as his
1: fans like to call themselves, <laughs> but I do like him in films too. So I found that that movie definitely addresses that when a photographer is taking photos of things that they really should be interfering to save lives. Where he's making different decisions entirely. I'm not yeah. going to spoil that film whatsoever. I think everyone needs to go see that because it's beautiful film. It's been recommended dark. to
0: me quite a few times.
1: Mm-hmm. Dark as fuck. If you think Abnormal Beauty is dark, Nightcrawler will ruin your day. So, Abnormal Beauty, the main character that we follow, Jin... She is a artist photographer, Mm -hmm. her and her girlfriend, Jazz. The movie opens up with um, them walking around the town taking photos, nice little artistic photos, interesting flowers, interesting colors, uh, interesting architecture, stuff like that. Uh, But she's looking for something a little more interesting.
0: Well, Jin has the, the film opens up with Jin having an exhibit of sorts and people praising and complimenting her work. It's not as though her talent is not being recognized, but from her perspective, from the artist's perspective, everything is lacking and she cannot identify that je ne sais quoi that all these photos are missing, but it leaves her unhappy. This fucking dude was hitting on her though. Well, yeah. Anson. Wanted to go see a movie with her. Says she's already got a date. Her girlfriend Jazz fucking like flips him off real hard too. And he kind of does that Like, looking back, and I was like, never look back, dude. Never look back.
1: Oh, please look back. That's adorable. And it helps inform us how taken with her he is. And then their conversation where Jazz is like, well, who's that guy? Mm -hmm. Total jealous girlfriend sort of attitude. Mm -hmm. And Jin says, oh, him? His means nothing.
0: Yeah, who cares? Yeah. (laughs) She says, I was like, wow,
1: ice cold. Meh, whatever. He's just a dude
0: yeah I... at this
1: point in the film anyway he's just a dude that hit on her and she's not interested playing inside yeah you know so they go on a, a, their date basically uh Jin and jazz like to go on dates like a lot of photographers do i've gone on photo walks many times not considered a date necessarily at all but photographers do like to go on photo walks and photo photographer friends will stroll around the town with cameras so it's not like weird to me but Jen has been trying to address this thing where all of her photos feel empty to her. And you can see it when she's sizing up a photo to take and that just displeasure every time she hits the shutter. And even in the dark room after, big, long sighs, just not impressed by her own work Mm -hmm. whatsoever.
0: We get a little window into this woman's life. Not only is she in a fairly open relationship with another woman, she also seems to have a, a, a doting mother that's quite the busybody giving her money um, she seems to indicate that she hasn't spent the last money that was given to her I don't know what she's living on if she actually has a job or if she gets money from her photos which is a possibility people are buying them yeah
1: if she has an exhibit she probably is selling here and there but she doesn't seem to want for much you know she's Mm -hmm. very frugal her and jazz uh, have dinner dates from time to time but it's not like a big focus of her life you know like most Uh, millennial foodies do spend probably 80 percent of their fucking income on donuts these days
0: so jeez so venomous
1: well i can't help it and so she doesn't really like i said want for anything she has uh, an apartment paid for by her mother her mom's away on business all the time so it's like she lives alone almost she has her dark room uh that doesn't take a lot of money to maintain once you've established a dark room chemicals aren't very expensive um and you can really conserve chemicals pretty easily. So that doesn't cost her a hell of a lot either. Film and paper, because she is shooting on film, which is another thing about this film I just love so very fucking much, is having not only the cool lighting that we get to see in the dark room and how that shapes our visual landscape here. Um, with And every time I see red and blue lights, I want to take it to Dario Argento. Um, but <laughs> yeah. it does have that feel. It does have a very stark black cub black glove killer feel in the dark room just because of the tight space and the colors that we're working with in the darkness. It doesn't cost a lot to live like that. So for her to be saying, you know, mom, yeah, leave me money, but I haven't spent the money you put in my account last time. See you in a month when you get back from your business trip. You would think her mom's super absent, but she does seem to care for her daughter very much. Mm -hmm. And near the end of the film, we get a little more insight into that. But she really just kind of floats around town taking photos with her girlfriend Mm -hmm. they go to school you know i don't think she has a job and she doesn't really need any income she lives very frugally on her way out with her camera one day she encounters a car accident and begins taking photos and you can tell from the look on her face really good acting here as well throughout from race wong who plays jen she's taking photos of a dead and dying person With blood everywhere and the twisted metal of a car crash, as you can imagine. It's quite stark. And they really linger on this. And you can tell that she's really lingering on this. In a way, she could stand there and take photos of a dead person forever.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it is that spark that she's been looking for.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to me that when this scene is going down, she's wearing a shirt that just says jackpot on it. I thought that was pretty cute because it is a jackpot moment for this character, that thing that she's looking for.
1: She's won the lottery with this car crash landing at her feet.
0: Because you definitely see that the character is trying to reconcile with the fact that they're compelled to take photos. And isn't that what people in photography get into it for, to want to capture moments in time?
1: Annie Leibovitz had famously never wanted to be without a camera. And at times two cameras or more just cameras within an arm's reach, if not just around her neck at all times. And she admitted that she felt very uncomfortable without a camera. She got horrible anxiety if she were ever anywhere without one, because something might happen. She needed to take a photo of. And even a casual hobbyist has that moment many times.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When she brings this photo back, she explains to Jasmine, who comes over to visit, Jazz, her girlfriend, what had happened. And they instantaneously develop the photo. Jasmine seems repulsed by it.
1: Saying, you know, you shouldn't shoot these things.
0: Yeah. Or She still goes along with it. I mean, she does care a lot for Jin, and so is going to support her, I suppose. And perhaps this is just a one-off. I mean, all of a sudden, a car crash happened. She took photos of it. She wants to develop the photos. Fine, I guess. But she is very hesitant because she is in that camp of there's certain things you shouldn't be taking photos of. Mm -hmm. And when she develops the photos, Jin's initial reaction is quite reserved, but almost reigning in her excitement because she's very into it. She seems very captivated by this work. And I would almost get the impression from this scene that she would probably just stare at this photo for hours and... Jasmine, on the other hand, is kind of almost as if she's feels looks as all she's going to be sick. And I was like, is that just the reaction to the chemicals in the room? But I, I said, nah, she's a photographer; she's used to all this kind of stuff. So I'm assuming it's the subject matter of the of the picture itself.
1: And everything can get overwhelming. I mean, if you're not in the mood to be in a dark room, those chemicals can be quite mm. overwhelming. Especially developer smells like mm. horrible, horrible. Yeah. My
0: mom, my mom had a, a, a makeshift uh, dark room in our workshop uh, back at my house at Alta Vista, and. Uh, I, I don't quite remember the, the smell of the chemicals, but I do remember them all in jugs all the time, the, the jugs of the chemicals everywhere.
1: I, I can smell it now just thinking about it. <laughs> I, I love the smell of developer. I love the smell of fixer. It smells kind of vinegary, but developer has a horrible dead body rotten egg smell that I just love. But the dark room itself can be a hypnotic space and it's used to really good effect in this scene and other subsequent dark room scenes as Jin gets more into this sort of photography that she's discovered she's not only quite good at really loves to do unfortunately for everyone around her because it is gross and it is dark I like taking photos of roadkill I really definitely like taking photos of dead things not only because they stay still for a long period of time it's like taking pictures of like flowers I like taking pictures of flowers too because they stay still Uh, and they're interesting to look at and you can do interesting light painting with them you can do the same thing with dead animals and get very close, very, very close into things that people don't usually get very close to. And this is sort of what Jin's discovering. We get to see how there might be other things other than just her displeasure with her own photography and her now discovery of something that gives her great pleasure in photography. She is suffering a little bit of upset or loneliness or maybe a little bit of a mental anxiety. There's a scene after this dark room when she's alone and getting ready for bed, putting on a face mask. And it's not like the Patrick Bateman scene of pulling off the uh, gelatinous face mask, but she's pressing on a white face mask. And it's kind of a surreal scene where Mm. she's looking at herself in the mirror and she begins to have these flashbacks and get very, very tense And very upset that she can't see her own face it seems
0: Mm. she has
1: a very strong reaction to being Mm. masked Mm -hmm. and has to tear off this face mask and only really can breathe again once she can see her own face Mm -hmm. and recognize herself it's that moment of having the face covered and not being able to recognize herself in the mirror that seems to really really set her off Mm -hmm. we move into the next day where she's at school Mm -hmm. uh, in an art class yeah doing a painting and this where we see she's a very accomplished artist not only an accomplished photographer and having like art shows and stuff like that and have this newfound excitement over this photography she stumbled upon of this accident scene she's painting a nude and it's a wonderful painting typical of art class scenes they sort of go around the room looking at other people's and you can see what other people are doing with this nude model uh, and the different paintings and then it comes to gins and it's quite beautiful She's looking at the model and looking at her painting and she seems to be having a little bit of a of a mental moment,
0: don't Mm. you think? Well, what ends up happening in this scene is all of a sudden the model that is sitting for the picture, uh, a a singular stream of blood flows down her forehead and comes down to her jawline and then to her breast and curves uh, goes around the curvature of the underside of her breast and then continues down her body. This is obviously not actually happening, but this is what Jin is seeing. And as if compelled, she takes some red paint and put it into her palette and then draws the line, basically copies what her her mind's eye has seen. And when you're dealing with paintings, when you're dealing with art of any kind, and you could take something so plain as here's a, a an attractive naked woman sitting rather still and we're painting her. This is an artist exercises to get you used to painting true to life. And it's fine, I suppose, but it doesn't really say anything unless you're one of those artsy fartsy people that really dive deep into what a painting about anything could possibly be. Better your Picasso.
1: Because you could imagine an art class of people painting a nude and everything looks pretty much the same, but then you've got that
0: Picasso in the corner. Yeah, who's who's doing something just being, you know, an artist. I feel like triangles today. Yeah. But you have this choice that Jin has made that is incredibly provocative. And even the most... Even, like, the most, like, mouth-breathing casual art fan would be forced to pull something from this painting of what is this about a woman sitting there with a singular drip of blood that has gone all the way down her body down the curvature of her breast through the sheets that are covering her pelvis and then down to her toes and so it gets a really big reaction from these philistines
1: Well, yeah, everyone pretty much drops their paintbrushes and gathers around. And her
0: art teacher even is kind of standing behind her like, yeah, yeah. Like they see something. Moments like this in art force that out of people, causes you to question why. Why is that there? And then you start coming up with reasons because generally speaking, we are not with the artist who has painted the thing. So that's what the fun of art galleries are. You can just like hypothesize why. Why would an artist do this? What were they thinking? What's the genesis of it? I mean, they could probably just ask her, but because she's sitting right there. But that's the interesting thing about this choice and any choice in art, where you take something beautiful and then you just put blood on it and it changes it. Because we want to know, why does that have blood on it? Why?
1: And if you weren't in the room with her, you would think, oh, well, that must have been set up like this. This was someone's vision and this is the way it happened. It was someone's vision. It was her vision entirely all alone. Having this subtly cathartic moment of, you know what? Yeah, there's a lot of beauty in the world. We can capture a lot of beauty. We're in a whole room of people capturing beauty right now as we speak. But what I want is blood. So mm. that's what I'm going to paint in. A crazy decision in with some respects. But this is where she's coming from. And it is this subtly cathartic moment of there. This was a beautiful painting that I wasn't that proud of. But now that I've added this stream of blood that I want to see, now it's done. And it's kind of a creepy moment. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that. I thought it was one of the more beautiful moments in this film.
0: Well, she's got a taste of blood. That's for sure. She certainly does. Because this is where she needs more. And just taking a picture of a car crash that happened, that's one thing. Adding blood to your painting, that's another thing. But you can't just keep adding blood. She wants real blood. And so the easiest way to go about that, especially in Hong Kong, is go to uh, a market in which they are killing live animals for food.
1: Yeah, because you can find that pretty much anywhere, really, uh, in a large market, and a farmer's market. Yeah they're walking around getting stuff for dinner because they do these dinner dates and Jazz is quite the cook so she's dragging her around for groceries basically and at one point Jin says something about what about cooking your head and Jazz doesn't even notice it's just one of those strange murders and acquisitions moments that happen here and there through this movie that are kind of peppered in when Jin says just really fucked up shit so she finds some fucked up shit there's a guy slaughtering chickens which could be something very untoward and be very squeamish for a lot of people Mm -hmm. me i'd probably just walk by the guy killing chickens if i had a camera maybe i might take a shot but jen's sort of enraptured with this it's all very new to her this photographing death so having somebody that is cutting the heads off chickens one after the other she stops drops everything almost kind of ruins Jazz's day in a way to take photos starts ordering the butcher around basically yeah, as to she, where to yeah. stand and what to do oh,
0: she's like fucking kubricking all over that fucking scene she's like no no no, hold it like this do this fucking you know yeah 127 takes
1: yeah pretty much <laughs> to the point that she's like here no i need you to stand like this here give me the knife like this i need you to hold the chicken like this and i need you to have the knife like this and then she looks down and realizes that she is a fucking hair's breadth from killing a creature. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to be standing on the other side of death and taking photos. It's another thing entirely to be standing there with the throat and the knife mm-hmm. in your hands. Mm-hmm. They cut away, but she does cut the head off that chicken.
0: Yeah, and we know that because uh, by the way, they killed a lot of chickens. She wanted she tossed this guy some bucks because I'll I'll put, just kill this chicken, but I want to buy chickens. And what do you think? Like fucking five, six of these things. So they have this massive table of just all these different chicken dishes
1: yeah a good thing jazz is such a good cook and likes to cook because there are like probably six different chickens worth of chicken meals (laughs) every chicken meal that you could think of
0: yeah all prepared different ways i'm going to do this with this chicken i'm going to do that with this chicken i mean it would be so wasteful if you were going to just kill those chickens and leave them in a bucket goodbye chickens at least they're eating them
1: yeah and i'm sure he could have sold some of them but he didn't need to kill that many yeah. So she sort of forced his hand, like she definitely forced his hand. Um, but fresh chicken tastes so much better than any other chicken, so I could see Jazz wanting to cook them all up right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of surreal. And the chicken photos are pretty interesting too. They do have some really. She does end up with some very nice dead chicken photos. I like her line with the butchers, sir. Shut your mouth and just keep killing them. <laughs> <laughs> She's getting pushier and pushier, a little bitchier when it comes to this photographing death thing. She has a bit of a freak out while she's devo- while she's developing these chicken photos though. Um like I said, the dark room is a hypnotic, surreal space. And they do, do this to very good effect. She's photographing in color for the most part, so you can have a red light on. Black and white photography takes a whole different light scheme and it, the dark room needs to be a lot darker because the film's a lot more sensitive and the paper's far more sensitive. The red light you see, if you ever see in a fil- in a movie where they have the red light on and they're doing black and white photography it's got to be a color process film or something to have that red light you need a lot less light and there you wouldn't be able to shoot the way that these scenes are shot so she and
0: plus the, the the red light is what's the most recognizable most audiences would be able to pick up okay it's a dark room i yeah. know what we're doing
1: so the red light is quite bright so you wouldn't be able to actually do photos in here. But yeah, she's having a bit of a freak out. She asks Jazz, once everything's being fixed, to turn on the light. And she doesn't seem to be able to see that the light is on. And she's kind of barking at Jazz to turn the light on. And the light is definitely on. So she's having a little bit of like... A mental problem in the dark room her mind is stuck in the dark room they transmit that to the audience with this sort of scene where she seems to be psychologically trapped and visually trapped in the dark room because she can't see that the light is on and she needs to get out and get some air and jazz says to her i think you've been in the dark room a little too long we have a little bit of a montage scene where she's walking around town the next day taking photos of dead things mm-hmm. roadkill dead birds arranging things i really enjoy when the shot that they have where they're shooting mm-hmm. upward through glass
0: mm-hmm. and
1: she's arranging a dead bird
0: yeah she pour some water on it
1: yeah to get a little fluidity no pun intended yeah
0: takes a picture of a dead dog too
1: i think she spends the whole day alone just taking pictures of roadkill and dead dogs so jazz's hope that she's not going to spend so much time in the dark room is going to be sorely thwarted by the rolls and rolls that she's shot of dead things now later on she has a bit of a moment in the bathtub I'm not sure if she's masturbating.
0: So I definitely think that she is. And this is where, so when you lent me this movie, I didn't check out the trailer. I didn't do anything because I, I I just figured I'll go and call. G- generally speaking, when you recommend a, a movie to me, I don't like to research it too much. I just want to sit down and watch it. Uh, I think the only set. Sa- thing you said was that you'll see why I like it. Mm-hmm. And I do. Uh, but I did read the back of the box. And the back of the box is pretty misleading. Not that I'm expecting a romp, but... Ginny is a beautiful and talented photography student. One day, she witnesses a gruesome car accident. But instead of being horrified, she finds herself aroused. Very specifically, they say aroused. And so I thought... You're thinking Crash, Cronenberg. I'm, I'm thinking of that Cronenberg movie, 1996's Crash. And so I said, oh and just reading that description i i said to myself why well, get the photography part but i don't think this is going to really remind me of lydia i don't really imagine you aroused by anything but so when i got to this scene i watched it and as and i said to myself i was like is she masturbating and then when the scene is complete i'm like okay she's definitely masturbating she's in a tub she's naked and she's she is her face is and she's making the noises of, and, and, and the final face is one of ecstasy. Yeah. But what's confusing about it is because she is simultaneously imagining something of a flashback that we can posit that is her. And we can tell that, well, she's being chased by a group of boys, young boys. They're all a little very young.
1: Yeah, about six years old or so.
0: And she seems to be masturbating while looking at this. And then we as the audience, they don't spell it all out and they go into more detail with it later. But let's be real. We know what the fuck is going on. We know what's going to happen. And she achieves orgasm, it appears. And then she immediately comes and then comes to her senses where she is frustrated and fucking angry at herself
1: very angry at herself and it's a a, like a combination of being um aroused because she's had these artistic heights that she's been hitting um and unfortunately some to a certain extent aroused by some sort of memory of this and disgusted and full of hatred and with with little flickers of revenge Mm -hmm. needing to be taken out on yeah. the memory of these boys who it, it seems to be like a game of kiss tag gone terribly wrong where they molested her, uh, played a little game of you show us yours and we'll stand here and laugh at you. Yeah. um, And but like pulling her skirt up, pulling her panties down and they're all about the same age. So it seems a little bit more yeah. intrusive because these were her friends, I guess. Yeah, One
0: of them was her cousin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty fucking serious and heinous. And after that moment i i was watching the movie i was like okay i guess but i feel like the the back of the box i feel like they watched that one scene and then decided that's what the whole this is what the whole movie is about because i don't really feel like this is what the whole movie is about i feel to say that she is sexually aroused by death and blood and violence maybe that's a part of it but i think that there's a lot of other emotions going on and really what this is to me is more of the fact that a woman is dealing with PSD. She is
1: definitely. And it's more of a spiritual arousal that she's exhibiting when it comes to the photos and some later scenes where she is absolutely not sexually aroused.
0: Yeah. And this definitely seems like memories that were locked away in the recesses of her subconscious for years and years and years. Because she, while generally a morose young woman... She wasn't having these episodes, but when she encountered death and then she became obsessed with the idea of uh, of photographing death, it seems to bring that all up to the surface.
1: It's interesting that, and a lot of people, I don't know about every person because I can't generalize, when you're having some of the most happiest moments in your life, in a way we can't help but think about the really sad and the like the worst parts of our lives and i'm not sure why people insist on that duality psychologically or when you're having like the saddest moments it's nice to remember some of the happiest moments and it sort of comes about naturally unless somebody is clinically depressed where they just don't really look on that light side or if somebody is clinically happy which i swear is an illness and <laughs> they just cannot and will not and do not think about any of those dark moments so it stands to reason to me, that of course she's experiencing these heights and the spiritual arousal. She's going to be, unfortunately have this proclivity to think about the darkest things, especially if they've been buried Mm -hmm. all this time. You never know when these things can can come up. And a lot of times, sufferers of PSTD could probably have something to say about it at the happiest moments. They can't help but think about the worst moments as well. Mm -hmm. Luckily, she shakes it off for the next day and goes to a bookstore because... That's where I would head if I was interested in something weird that I felt utterly alone with that was alienating me from my friends. I'd go to the bookstore and see if I'm really fucking broken. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she goes to the bookstore and finds books that exist. Mm-hmm. Books of Memento Mori, Faces of Death, War Photography, mm-hmm. um a very famous photo of cadaver heads looking at one another, like twin cadaver heads. Yeah. Beautiful artwork that she finds in these wonderful coffee table books.
0: Yeah, the book that she buys specifically is called The Art of Death.
1: And it costs 1,150
0: yen. I don't know what that would... Uh, ten bucks. Ten bucks. Something like that. Okay.
1: Yeah. I think something like that. It's a
0: good deal. I wanted to buy a fucking book at Chapters the other day about the 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 monster resurgence of the 1960s when everyone got into like the groovy ghoulies and shit. Oh, it was too expensive and I didn't buy it. But I keep thinking about it. So maybe I'll go back and get it. <laughs>
1: it's funny to me that collectors of movies will drop mad cash on movies, but walk into a bookstore and they're like 40 bucks. Yeah. The Ann Leavitts book, like a big coffee table book, I forget what it's called. It might be just just be called Leibovitz, Mm-hmm. Is or was eighty dollars when I was in high school, and I coveted this fucking book. Like I'd go into the bookstore and flip through it all of the time because eighty bucks was a lot for like grade nine student, right? Yeah. I never did buy it. Um, yeah. I don't think I ever will. I'd rather drop eighty dollars on Hans Holzer's ghosts now.
0: Nah. <laughs> I think it's just because I'm more of a, a movie collector and not so much of a book collector. Although I will defend myself and say my horror literature is, a section of my bookshelf is not insignificant.
1: I can I can believe that. Yes, <laughs> it definitely is, and it's probably been growing. Much like I think Jin wants to grow her art of death photography book collection now because yeah. she joins the bookstores club mm. and signs up like like you do. I have indigo cards and have had punch cards at other bookstores and stuff like that. So that's what she does. She signs up at the bookstore. At the bookstore we see our pal Anson is
0: fucking videotaping her, the creeper. That guy's a fucking pig. And I don't like this guy. I don't like him at either. all. And I don't understand why he thinks this is fucking normal behavior. And we'll get into that because he is going to be filming her for a fucking bit, but this is the first time that we, as the audience, see this motherfucker filming her. And it's
1: one thing if he wants to take her to a movie. Uh, yeah. And play puppy dog and follow her around school, but it's another thing entirely to be fucking videotaping her and following her around as she's shopping. Like,
0: yeah. Like it's a creepy. Fucking crazy person. They're sort
1: of on a date, but like, yeah, not really.
0: Not really. Yeah. At all. Really. <laughs> and. She does tell uh, Jasmine calls during this thing and does not fucking like it. She doesn't like that guy at all. A, because he asked her girlfriend out and B, because against all logic, Jin actually went out with him for lunch. And there seems to be think there's a connotation with that. I'm at lunch with a boy who likes me. Eh, you know what I'm saying? Especially if, you know, there's a lot of couples that would not be OK with that.
1: You think that she'd scare him away by saying stuff like, photography is to capture one's silent moment. It is the same as the moment of death.
0: Well, let me tell you something, Lydia. You are a woman of the night. Wait, that makes you sound like a prostitute. You are a, a very gothic, dark woman. You like death, and you're talking about fo- uh, photographing roadkill, and you talk about your poison garden, and you're just fucking grim, darkity, dark all the time. How many times have you told that shit to boys, and how many times has it successfully scared them away? All of the time. What? No, it doesn't. You, if, if there's a dude that thinks for a second that like all he has to do is listen to be dark and then he can have sex with you, I'm sure he would endure it.
1: I think a lot of men out there that aren't um, dark or goth themselves that uh, cover the goth chick, the hot goth chick, um, that follow hot goth chicks down the road when they leave the club, the creeping fucking bastards. Uh, as soon as they start to talk to uh, a a goth woman especially one who is very interested in death uh, and darker subjects and maybe isn't a fucking closet uh, blonde valley girl when they find out that that darkness goes beyond the latex that is wrapping their skin they do get a little bit turned off because They had this vision of almost like a porn star version of a goth girl, right? Okay. So I think that it does tend to scare them away. But then I just hadn't gone on dates for the longest time.
0: Well, that's that's definitely true. I don't have
1: these conversations necessarily.
0: True. Because I I suppose there would be a realization from certain people that would be, oh, this is all the time. Yeah. As opposed to... You no, know, this is not some sort of weird fetish role play. But
1: this does have what you're positing—that scenario where he gets more interested in her.
0: Well, because because now what he feels he's like, okay, I'm unlocking this. I'm gonna fix her. I'm gonna, or, or I'm gonna just keep talking about this shit, and then she's gonna like and me. She'll keep talking to me. Yeah, And she yeah, won't yeah. like
1: have her girlfriend give me the finger and walk yeah. away. Yeah,
0: it just be like, it's like uh, death is just such a beautiful release, and you're like, that is so interesting.
1: Tell me more. <laughs> Tell, Tell me, me, me more. more. <laughs> Yeah, Jazz is jealous of Anson and makes no bones about it. Yeah. She has a big pout on at the apartment
0: later on. Yeah, and then she's she's very flat. Out, I respect this. I respect just flat out saying what your wants and expectations of a relationship are. Yeah. She's like, you are not allowed to go out with anyone but me. That's fair. That if Look, if Jin is the type of person that's like, well, I'm not okay with that, that's where we part ways. Yeah. Like Jasmine is very much saying, well, this is my expectations. I don't want you going out with this fucking guy because it's not even about it. It's almost like this weird attitude of, well, he doesn't really mean anything to me, it's not, you can't, I won't be with you. But at the same time, you are spending time with him and you know that he likes you. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, and she doesn't, it's not like she's like repeatedly telling him, I don't like you. I am only interested in women. Etc. Etc. Right. I think that's where Jasmine's insecurities are coming from.
1: I know this is that conversation where it's like, okay, he means nothing to you, but you're spending time with him. I don't want you to spend time with him. Now the ball is in your park. Yeah. So it seems to me that Jin is very happy with just acquiescing and being friends with
0: Jasmine. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And screw when...
1: Anson. We don't need him around.
0: Yeah. So the ladies go out on a date as they do, mm-hmm. and. Well, holy shit.
1: As they're waiting for the elevator, the date sort of takes a wrong turn.
0: <sighs> Good God. I think that my interest... <sighs> you don't like this scene. I don't like the scene at all. I love this scene. I know you do. And it's fine. I'll put... It's filmed beautifully. It's not what they're saying. It's, it's just... I would find <laughs> being around someone like this frustrating as fuck. Because... Maybe, I don't know. Like, to me, it just strikes me as just like this weird artsy-fartsy shit where she's just like, would you kill yourself for me? I'm like, what the fuck? I hate these conversations. I hate them in movies, and I hate them in real life. Mm -hmm. I just find them fucking ridiculous. They're absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) Because I was just like, no.
1: I agree with you there, but this isn't just a regular Thursday night. She's having a fucking mental breakdown.
0: I know she's having a mental breakdown. The only thing that I like about this scene, honestly... And we'll talk about it. So basically what ends up happening is they're up on the 10th story of this building. It seems to be where Jasmine's parents live and Jasmine lives at home with her folks. So Jin seems compelled to go to the edge of the balcony. There's something psychologically that I heard about or I saw a YouTube video all about it. Like this weird urge that you get. A lot of people get where you're up at the edge of a precipice of something and you're like, what if I jumped? Or you, you you get that sense of that you would jump. Or it's the same feeling you get when you have a knife and you're like, what if I just like, fucking like just cut my face with this right now? Like, what about that?
1: It's, it's a weird thing that people get to varying degrees.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wish I could remember the fucking name of it, but I can't. There is a specific name for it and and it's very normal for humans to act in this way. And and she is taking that to the 10th degree because she is really contemplating suicide or wanting that feeling of death. And also, this seems to be triggered not so much by the height that they're at, but also the conversation that Jasmine had beforehand. And I think that it was time for Jen to fully explain... That Jasmine has nothing to worry about. She'll
1: never like boys.
0: She'll never like boys. And that is where we get the full story. Not really any more information, but they basically do the same flashback, but they give us a little bit more information about like her dress being raised and you seeing her, her underwear and shit. And so if people <laughs> couldn't figure it out in the first scene, there's no question in this scene what had happened. She had also mentioned the fact that her cousin died by falling down the stairs. I mean, that's a very loaded sentence. And I think other people, I think most people could in, could in, intuit what she's saying.
1: That she's just relieved at this point that he got his yeah. at the end. Um, she also talks about how her mother called her a liar and mm-hmm. didn't believe her. Mm-hmm. And all she wants, and that's what sort of triggered, Like that was the nut of this strange swinging on the balcony on the other side of the balcony where she could have just let go and fallen at any moment. It ends with her saying like, why couldn't I just have a mother that loves me? Mm-hmm. Which is extremely deep. And I can see the eye rolling moments in this definitely. But I found it extremely stark, really telling about where she is psychologically with all, with all of this. And it is completely unresolved. And this newfound love of photography of death is really bringing to light a lot of these very, Quelled dark feelings that she's been having under the surface for some time and the tension is really there because even though we know she's not gonna let go because then where would the movie go you yeah, know the movie would be over <laughs> you know you've got 10 minutes left she's gonna jump you know but we've got lots of time left in this film so she's not gonna jump but it does almost convince you that at any moment she really could so mm-hmm. i think they did it very very well
0: yeah the the, the scene isn't useless it does Provide a lot of uh, important information for the plot, for sure.
1: The next day, ironically, she ends up being privy to another scene of death, much like walking out of her apartment and seeing a car yeah, crash. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: She walks out to a suicide jumper
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the audience us, sitting there thinking, well, this could have been you, you know, it's sort of the way the world's telling her this could have been you, but it's also the world laying down at her feet, no pun intended, another dead body for her to photograph. So she's taking photos while everyone's kind of panicking because there's a suicide jumper, this little girl, well, this young girl on the top of this roof. And she's taking photos of the girl standing up there. And they do it quite well where she's taking photo after photo and she has a speed winder so she can take like burst photography with a film camera, which isn't the same as digital cameras, digital cameras. You can like hold the button down and just almost take a film like a zoetrope uh, with a film camera. It's a little different setup. But she does have a speed winder, so she's taking photo after photo after photo and panning the camera down. So we don't see the jumper fall, but we see Jin's head tilting down, and taking photo after photo after photo after photo until the girl lands on the floor. Everyone scatters back. Jin rushes forward toward the dead body,
0: mm. and this takes... time, having no compunction whatsoever, oh, she is she is into this, and she just. Takes a bajillion photos.
1: Yeah, every angle, very intimate photos of, of the mm-hmm. blood, her, the girl's hand, and the blood on the asphalt, and the head, and everything. Like it's quite stark. The photos that she ends up in the dark room with later on.
0: Mm-hmm. This is where I want to point out that this film uh, uh, is quite beautifully shot. What what really makes everything pop is the fact that they went through this entire film stock, put it up digitally. And then individually colored everything, and um, and 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 so it has like a very, a very unnatural bright look in certain scenes, particularly blood, particularly scenery shots. It's very very bright and very crisp. And I kept thinking to myself, "Oh, I really want to see this film on Blu-ray. I would love to see like a really big chunky digital release of this."
1: yeah and I'm sure that persists in the Pang brothers work they just Mm -hmm. seem to be very photographic minded Mm -hmm. I do I want to watch more of the Pang brothers work Mm because if we're gonna like tie them to Cronenberg at all in dead ringers we've got these twins that can swap off in the operating room swap off with the girls they're dating swap off in almost any aspect of their lives the Pang brothers Mm -hmm. do this as well Mm -hmm. Oxide and Danny Pang it's only ever one of them on set when they're working together on a film and they just are so simpatico that they can do that and i'm sure some of them handle other aspects of scenery other you know angles of photography and have slightly different looks but together have a cohesive whole as far as the look of a film and although this is an oxide pang film i don't doubt that danny has his you know finger on the pulse somewhere mm-hmm. as I'm sure with Danny's films that Oxide is in on it, too, Mm -hmm. because they seem to be inseparable, even though they've definitely worked together and separately. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is an Oxide-Pang work, and I just want to see all of their fucking movies now.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They are beautiful. Yeah, when we were talking about Dark Water, uh, I had failed to mention, of course, one of the biggest. I'd say the third largest Asian horror boom uh, was the franchise that the Pang brothers were responsible for. Mm -hmm. That was another thing that got a big, glossy American remake. And then, uh, and based off of the original film, The Eye, and then and its subsequent sequels, the Pang Brothers had their hands in. Mm-hmm. Just
1: yeah. beautiful, beautiful fucking shit. Beautiful mm-hmm. fucking shit. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing I really love about this movie is that you can watch it and you know it's made by these artists with beautiful visions, and it is a beautiful vision and a fucking beautiful film that's shot beautifully. Then they take it. It's about this artist that is looking for these beautiful shots. So her work is beautiful that they're showing. It's, it's really uh, almost a meta position that we're put in as an audience. And I really, really enjoy that. This next scene coming up with Anson, the little fucking creep, where he admits that he's been taking more video of her. He's outside of her house.
0: Yeah. And she's scared. And because she thinks someone's watching her or some fucking shit like that. The like stalker. And he fucking calls. He's Anson. She's like, I know it's Anson like dipshit and he says no it's me i'm outside don't be scared and then in her fucking apartment gives her a fucking video camera let me tell you something what what is it about this fucking guy that he thinks that walking around with a fucking handy cam and his explanation of oh, i'm making a music video of you what yeah what is creep? that what the fuck please don't yeah what the fuck is that Who would come up with that fucking ridiculous idea where you think it's okay to follow a woman without her knowledge and then you're going to email her or whatever the fuck. A music video that you, oh, she's going to love that. Oh, he made a music video about me. Oh, look at all these times I didn't know this person was filming me. He's like, oh, she's going to like this. And then what? Then she's going to suck my dick.
1: That's what he wants because he has a daydream of her making out with him right there.
0: Yeah. That doesn't fucking happen. No. He's like, oh, I love you. But you know what's crazy is she seems kind of, she seems like not totally repulsed by it. Yeah. See, like he's like getting all ex- restrained excitement because he thinks it worked. Ugh. That's Ugh. just
1: the blood rushing to his massive boner that he's <laughs> got for her. But maybe, maybe, and I'm just like stretching here. Maybe she's like. You know what? I get it a little bit because I am very into dead things and taking photos and you're very into taking images of me. I mean, without, I get it.
0: Without my knowledge.
1: Yeah, I get it. I get it.
0: And also you're a dude and and I, and I don't really expect anything more of you. Like this is...
1: <laughs> That's a shitty attitude. It is a shitty attitude.
0: It's a shitty attitude, but it, it, she. it comes off as that where it's like, he's a nice guy only because this is the least creepy thing that she can imagine a dude was doing.
1: They could probably be friends forever if he just cool it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I don't know if she's just playing with it at this point, but she says, you know what? You you should model
0: for me. Oh yeah. Gets weird. Let me tell you something. I thought at this point, at this point in the film, when she was like, you're going to model for me. Tosses them on the floor. Mounts them. Don't you like me? Et cetera, et cetera. Take your clothes off. And he's like, more than happy to oblige. Woman he likes to tell him to get naked. I'm getting naked. Well, I thought, watching this film, again, I didn't know anything about it going in. I thought that we were about to hit an audition scene. The
1: blood splattered sex scene. That's what I was hoping for.
0: Well, I thought that she was going to just fucking kill him. I thought this was like American Mary. I thought this was like, I thought that's what we were doing. And then we're going
1: to get photos of his decapitated body. Exactly. That's what we're going
0: to get. I was like, fantasy can only take you so far. She needs to act out the things that she is thinking about and that are exciting her. I mean, we see that in uh, serial killer psychology all the time. So I thought that that's where we were going. And then we see her.
1: And then if we want to write the rest of the movie, she gets jazz involved. Jazz discovers jazz, too in love with her, do anything about it except help her collect people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just wrote the, the shitty version of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But bit. no, <laughs> thank God it doesn't go that way.
0: Yeah. She throws paint on him.
1: Yeah. Like blood.
0: Like blood paint. Yeah. And then starts taking his picture and she wants him to be dead. You're dead. I've killed you. And then she's screaming at him. Kubrick-like.
1: And he's very upset. And it's captured in her photos wonderfully, which works very, very well for that sort of method acting, I guess, is what she's trying to force out of him. Mm. While she's, like, berating him on the floor and screaming at him.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: She threatens him with a knife, gets these incredible looks of fear. And he's looking, like, in the photos, would be covered in blood as we're watching the scene unfold. He looks extremely freaked out and doesn't know what he's gotten himself into with this crazy fucking woman. It's a wonderful scene. And it's sort of her way of like, it's like, this is what you get. You know, you're going to, you're going to stalk me. You're going to harass me. You're going to be limerin and imagine that I'm going to fall for you because you are pressuring me into this. You know what? This is what you get. This is my revenge on you is I'm going to scare the fucking shit out of you and I'm going to get what I want out of it which is awesome photos of somebody looking terrorized and near death and covered in blood and that's the end of our relationship there
0: mm-hmm.
1: she's constantly screaming at him don't move and why do you want to love me and don't love me and you don't want to make love to me and it's like screaming the weirdest things at him while he's on the floor eventually ending with why do you abuse me which is an excellent question I think mm-hmm it's a it's a kind of an explosive scene too, with all the lights flashing because she's do, doing this with flash kids, um, and we get to see a few freeze frames. We get very stark colors again, that very highly stylized photographic light. It's a wonderful, wonderful, intense scene, almost as t- intense as any killing,
0: mm-hmm. any yeah, murder
1: yeah. set piece in a film. Absolutely, I think it's better than sex, actually, this scene, and it ends with a very sex in the city you better go you know handing him his clothes and being like you better go
0: uh, okay yeah It's kind of funny this gives way to her developing these photos and also while she's developing these photos and kind of looks like she's going to some kind of like an acid trip uh not an acid it's not drug induced it's just she's like fucking falling into madness definitely she's also re re uh, doing adding some uh adding some new details to a, a previous work that she had done and this culminates into her basically just being paint covered crumbling in a heap in tears
1: she does a face mask thing again but she's more than comfortable looking at herself in the mirror now without being able to recognize herself Aside from not being able to recognize herself and being all right with that, she wants to change herself entirely and begin the dying parts of her hair red, mm-hmm. uh, reminiscent of the blood that she's come to be so comfortable with. I guess that's a way of her wanting to be even closer to this stark blood red color mm. by dyeing her hair with it.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's a transformation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Very much so. She's succumbed entirely to her madness at this point, And she's definitely having a Jackson Pollock moment with her existing artwork. hmm Yeah.
0: Jasmine comes in and finds her heaped on the ground. And that's where she has this big revelation where she's upset. And, and Jasmine's trying to get to the bottom of this, being a very uh, supportive and doting girlfriend. And Jin says, what we all know... But she says that she is afraid that she is actually going to kill somebody.
1: Yeah, she's been worried that she's going to lose control. And then, yes, very worried. Because Where we were just worried about that exact same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and she has verbalized the urge that she has been feeling probably since that first moment. First, she couldn't understand precisely what it was, it was just this feeling of excitement, this compulsion that she didn't know that she had. And then, when she finally gave it shape and form, And finally gave it a name. She wants to kill somebody. And she's afraid she's going to do it.
1: It's amazing that she's admitted it to Jazz. And it's really good. Like she's admitted two great big things to this lover of hers now. That she is afraid she's going to kill somebody. And she was molested as a child. And she's never been able to let it go. Very, very upset about her mother's reaction about it, too. So she's always had this very, very strained relationship Mm.
0: with the most important woman in her life. It would be infuriating because of the idea that this horrible thing would have happened to her as a little girl and no one believed her. And the person that was supposed to believe her unconditionally didn't and, and told her, you're lying, you're mistaken, you're wrong. And so she has to go through the rest of her life just being told that she needs to doubt herself, knowing something's true. But then everyone's saying it didn't happen and therefore just... I, okay, fine. I guess it didn't happen. And so you bury it deep down inside and you never deal with any of that pain or trauma. And then now, as a young adult, it all comes back and it is manifested itself in violent ways or it wants to.
1: Which is a very important film, I think, to watch for anyone who has ever questioned whether they were raped or not, which happens a lot with date rape or just... Yeah before it became something that people talked about often enough Mm -hmm. and became something that was treatable properly or recognized properly by family members of people that have been in that situation to watch a film like this you may be able to find a little strength in somebody who can admit this to the people that they can trust and are important to them now that she's admitted these two very large things to jazz part of this you know let's make you a new woman let's fix you let's cheer you up let's destroy all your artwork let's get rid of all these photos let's clean out the dark room and this one painting that you've done that seems to be of you in a very dark aspect reminiscent of clive barker's oil painting Mm -hmm. let's tear that apart let's grab a knife and slash that canvas
0: Mm -hmm. and slowly uh, perhaps superficially Mm -hmm. it seems to be working she and and the, the film is tries to tell us this in, a, in in a very big way because now the, the, everything is so bright the the girls are both uh, dressed in whites and pastels and and they seem a lot more cheerful and they seem happier and honestly the the film almost looks like it's gonna end. It's, and, and honestly um she calls her mom she calls she calls her mom and uh, and and we're not sure if she's going to tell her again what had happened. Mm-hmm. She's in tears, and this is very painful for her. Yeah. But it seems to be part of the healing process. She needs to talk to her mother. And so, when the next scene in the next morning, when they're having breakfast, you're not really sure. Did she tell her mother? She seems pretty.
1: It was enough for me with that phone call as an audience member to hear her mother say things like, I worry when I'm this far away from you. I love you. You can tell mommy anything. Tell me what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, those are just the words she needs to hear. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how the conversation went, which I we're pretty sure that it unfolded with her saying, you know, I admitted this to you when I was a little girl. And these memories, this is what I remember happening. And you said this. And I've been feeling this horrible about it all of my life let alone what happened to me, than to have you not believe me. Like, we're just assuming that that's a conversation. Because she wakes up refreshed and happy and breakfast and sunshine and smiles, genuine smiles. Another little slice of really good acting here, I think, because we're sold. We believe that she's not entirely superficially been healed. Mm -hmm. The conversation with her mother must have done wonders, and it started out with things that, like I said, we needed to hear as much as this character did, that her mother loves her, worries about her, and is there for her for her to tell anything to. Yeah. So the movie could end right here on a happy, happy note.
0: And I wasn't sure if it was going to or not because I had uh, had to pause the movie two different times mm-hmm. for, for an extended period of time to, to do something else. And I had lost track. I knew that the film was 98 minutes long, but I had lost track where in the movie I was. Yeah. So there could be five minutes left or an hour. You know? Yeah, I did. I wasn't sure. And so I thought, well, okay, it's definitely going to... It's over, I guess. But it's not over. This is where I love this
1: fucking movie. I've already loved this movie. Up until this point, it's a beautiful movie. And I love it. And I love the story. I'm soul. It's got a little bit of nuances. It's got um, different little triangles. It's got other levels of subplot. I love this movie. And then this happens. Yeah, Jin goes to her locker at school.
0: And in her locker, I thought initially what this scene was, was she had forgotten to get rid of some of her materials. Like
1: her art of death book or something.
0: Or or perhaps the original photo that started all of this was in her locker mm-hmm. or something. But then, no. What this is, is a series of photos that we don't recognize. She didn't take these photos. Or did she? What's happening? It's in this weird yellow envelope. And... It seems to bring all of these feelings back to the surface. Also
1: because they're very good photos and yeah. very dark
0: photos. What it depicts is uh, a woman who looks like she's been beaten to death. And we don't know who this woman is. We don't, we've don't. we never seen her before.
1: No, these scenes of a murder are photographed in sequence. And this reminds me a lot of an Atsuichi novels. This is just his uh, wheelhouse for somebody to be discovering photos. And now it's a whole new mystery. We're over halfway through the film and poof, here's our mystery. Photos of a woman that has been beaten to death are found in her locker. That's a very Anson style violation of privacy right there. But these photos are not Anson style. Where would they have come from? That's very, very creepy and definitely does set her very ill at ease. Not to ignore Anson, the paint splattered little goon. He's still videotaping her. At this point, we see a video camera still following her. And we see Anson with a fucking video camera.
0: Mm -hmm. When she's showing these things to Jasmine. I had even written a note. (laughs) Someone, in quotations, named Anson is a cock and gives her more photos. That's what I thought. I was convinced that...
1: He's like, oh, this is what you like? Here's some more of what you like. And will be my friend.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is going to get her going. And so I took these pictures. I just like, I was so convinced that I wrote it down in a note. I was like, someone.
1: And it sort of doesn't help at this point. They're showing her being videotaped, and it's killer point of view in a way. So we're like, that fucking goon.
0: Well, that's what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to make it seem as though it's Anson. It's not a bad fucking guess this is either.
1: The best red herring ever. Uh, think, first at of all, this point right here.
0: <laughs> first of all, this movie basically has three fucking characters in it. Yeah. Really. At
1: this point, yeah.
0: Yeah. You can count her mother. Bah. Which which again is crazy because when you think about what this film is, it's really just about Jasmine and Jin. With Anson thrown in there, I was like, "This is a very tight cast."
1: Very tight. Like we see Jazz's parents. There's people here. Yeah, and yeah. There. They, it, it's like, not
0: like this. It's not Stark. It's not like this weird. Oh,
1: it's probably a cast of a hundred people, but just very like. Very wide paintbrush, poorly drawn characters, otherwise, that are not important and tangentially
0: involved. Yeah, set dressing, exactly. Set
1: dressing, we're very close to Jin, Jazz, and Anson a little bit.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, we need to establish that Jasmine lives with her parents' bucket, have her parents come in. Briefly, and say two they don't fucking even have names, words. I don't think. Yeah, just have two words for them and then move on. And then we, as the audience, get all the information we need without clunky dialogue.
1: And we're not asking questions about whereas Jazz's parents, like all our little questions, our little dumb questions are answered. Yeah. Our little nitpickety stupid questions are answered. I think it's handled masterfully.
0: Uh, I agree. I think it's quite good.
1: Now, she gets a videotape delivered.
0: She certainly does.
1: If we thought the fucking photos in her locker were creepy, this takes the fucking cake. And I love how it is a VHS tape.
0: Scratched in, take a look.
1: Yeah. In the most serial killer fucking scratched writing you can imagine.
0: Well, I was thinking that it would be pretty cool as if when they packaged this, they could have made the box look like that say so take a look yeah wouldn't I that like be that. wouldn't
1: that be cool that would be super cool you
0: could do like the slip cover
1: for the future blu-ray for the
0: yeah when 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 uh shell factory uh, d- does this when
1: they listen to our show when they listen to this. our
0: show and we i and know they're excited. listening and getting what they should do is like do your slip cover like you do with a slip cover when you pull the slip cover out it just looks like a fucking tape that just says all scratched and take a look yeah there you go i like it yeah so she takes a look she does take a look because unlike most people, she has a VHS player, which is well, funny Well, I, me. I mean, the movie, 2004, I still had a VHS player. I still have a VHS player. So, you I know what? I have one in the basement. I always kind of tell people all the time when they're biting But it's on, under the
1: TV and ready to go.
0: Well, mine's ready to go. Oh,
1: okay. 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 I stand corrected.
0: <laughs> sure. But then again, I'm a weirdo that is just like, well, you never know. I might need this VHS player. <laughs>
1: She's also an artiste, so she doesn't seem to watch movies. She probably watched the last movie she watched on that VHS player rented 10 years previous because Mm -hmm. she's in her dark room otherwise. But yeah, maybe. Okay, sure.
0: I wonder if my I've turned my VHS player on in a very long time, though. It might not even work.
1: Yeah, the heads may be seized or rusted.
0: Yeah, you never know.
1: Well, she takes a look.
0: She does take a look. And what it is, it seems to be the same woman that was depicted in the photos. This time it's a video of her getting piped it's quite brutal yeah yeah and it's 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 just fucking it looks just like it's this pipe's broken off from a sink or something like that it doesn't look very fucking. This is the
1: kind of pipe you'd get in like a in the Anchorman film when they have that alley fight between news <laughs> groups. It's a it's a fucking thug fight. It's like from the Warriors. Someone no, in the sure. Warriors would be walking around New York with this pipe. Yeah, this is their lucky pipe. If you were
0: playing a video game and your character could collect a pipe, it would look like this pipe. This is
1: Dead Rising.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Dead Rising. It's the dead, dead Rising pipe.
1: This is definitely the Dead Rising pipe. It is a brutal torture scene. And you can hear cameras going off and see the flashes going off. So you know right away that this is exactly where those photos came from. Mm -hmm. That this fucking killer Mm -hmm. has taken photos while they were beating this person and video and now sent her both of those pieces of evidence.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She sits Jasmine down to watch this thing. And Jasmine is pretty sensitive to this type of stuff. She doesn't really, she doesn't go in, she doesn't buy into all this macabre death shit she's she's really trying to get Jin out of it and so when she watches this she's very much affected by it but she instantaneously thinks that it's a fake but she thinks that it's very realistic and Mm -hmm. the girl in the video is quite authentic feeling but she doesn't think that it is genuine
1: and she even goes so far as to say this person must know what you like
0: yeah and so
1: kind of like a a creepy thing like it is it looks extremely horribly real. Mm-hmm. Like extremely horribly horribly real. Um similar in a way to the beginning of the Uve Bull film seed where they have uh, a
0: Yeah Yeah, 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 yeah person yeah.
1: tied to a chair being beat. Uh, it goes on like extraordinarily long and is extraordinarily graphic. This is almost
0: worse because
1: it's shorter. Mm-hmm. And
0: Well, I don't know how many times you can get hit in the head by a pipe like that and not be dead. Yeah. So th- this woman, two, three hits, and she's out. And I almost would say that's excessive. I feel with a pipe like that, one one crack on the head and that person should be dead. Well,
1: this person's going for blood. They're going for the theatricality of it all, right? So, And yeah. they
0: capture that. They definitely do. But this person knows what they like. They have been... Uh, filming. They have access to video equipment. Who do we know that's as familiar with Jin's interest who also has uh, video equipment? A cock. And that cock belongs to a bigger cock named Anson.
1: Anson the bastard.
0: The weirdo that films her that just wants to get fucking laid. It's so sad. But they pull him into this fucking diner and they have this big conversation where he admits, oh, I thought you'd like the video. And of course...
1: And even us in the audience is like, what the fuck is wrong with
0: you? Yeah. And, and by this point, I'm just like, I'm fucking... I hate th- this guy. I'm three shades done with this fucking fool. I yeah. can't stand his weird ass assumptions that he, as he... You're not helping, dude. You're not helping. She doesn't like you. Get over it. And
1: I'm thinking maybe this is where they'll be like, yeah, come back to our house where they're going to cut him up and take photos of it because... Yeah. What the fuck? He almost deserves it at this point, the little yeah. asshole. He's been stalking her. He admits to it. He sends her this brutal video and thinks she'll
0: like it? Yeah. What the fuck? I mean, what's the matter? You don't like music videos? Oh, wait a minute. Music videos? He emailed her a music video. The one that he told her that he was making. He finished it.
1: And he apologized. Like, I'm sorry, but I thought you'd like it.
0: Yeah. and He emailed her a music video. He
1: didn't send her a VHS video of a girl being brutally killed.
0: Well, holy fuck then. If. Jasmine doesn't know who fucking sent this video, and Anson didn't make this video, and Jin has no idea who made this video. Who the fuck made the video?
1: Cut to the killer point of view across the road, videotaping all three of them sitting in the cafe.
0: Yeah, so we're we're 100% clear that Anson's not lying. Yeah. Because Jasmine asks Anson, who is the girl? She was so good. Like, who did you get? And he was like, what girl? It's Jin. Jin's the girl in the video. And... That is the revelation that he was like she was the only subject that he was filming. So, even though Anson is still a creeper, he's not a killer and he's not a sicko beyond the fact that he is just very voyeuristic and has some serious boundary issues.
1: This sort of character is played to comedic effect in many harem anime,
0: yeah,
1: very much so. This is the real life version of it, which makes me think of
0: all those anime characters. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're just like pervs just like filming because there's fucking anime out there where there is just like glasses wearing tiny little pervs in the bushes. Yeah. Filming girls. And we're all like. <laughs>
1: but now to see this in Anson and we're like, whoa, wait, that is so not cool. I and, mean, you know, watching an anime that is so not cool, but it's funny. Yeah. Uh, in the anime.
0: Yeah, and they usually get like punched in the face while their nostrils are bleeding. And they so. usually do
1: something to help. Anson yeah. has been no fucking help so far
0: at yeah. all, except to be the model for some pretty interesting
1: photos, which I wouldn't have mind seeing in a show. I, w- I wouldn't purchase them, I don't think, maybe, depending. Yeah, I'd have to see them. But other than that, he's offered really fucking nothing.
0: Yeah, but we know for sure that it's not him.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. And now we have a really bad feeling. When she's home that night she keeps calling Jasmine over and over and over to no answer and she doesn't want to be alone. She's feeling very fucking unsafe and we're feeling unsafe for her because someone's obviously following her around. Jasmine said that she'll come over. She's supposed to be on her way but the cell phone just keeps ringing and ringing and then at one point we realize as Jin realizes the cell phone is ringing outside of her door.
0: That's right. When she opens the door to her horror she sees that There's her girlfriend's cell phone and next to it is a very similar VHS tape scratched with take a look right next to it.
1: We've seen this sort of thing in lots of horror movies, but here it feels uh, completely unexpected and that way 10 times more effective.
0: And again, this film is taking on a very different shape than it started with. So, (laughs) so The last 30 minutes of this movie is a very different film. Could be its own thing, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, And even before when I was watching the film... And, w- and I thought we were kind of wrapping up, getting out of here. I was teetering on texting you. I don't know if we can do this for the show, Lydia. It doesn't really seem like a horror movie to me. Like, it's it, it's dealing with dark subject matter, but, like, there's no body count. And like, then I
1: fully redeem myself.
0: Well, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, Oxide Pang fully redeems himself.
0: <laughs> True. Well, she plays the VHS tape, and oh, shit. Uh, as we could probably posit from... The setup, Jasmine is chained to the chair and she is screaming, who are you? Don't hurt Jin. Yeah. Quite brave. Quite brave, I thought. But sure enough, after a few smacks of this woman just getting beat the fuck up, she still has a lot of fight in her, but out comes that pipe and there, I mean, there's just like, there's nothing you can do. Right, and and it's got to be horrible for Jin because this she loves this woman very much. This is her partner, and we've seen Jasmine be so sweet and supportive. She's a very good girlfriend. You know, she really wants to help her partner, and she gets piped. And Jin
1: will be sitting there thinking, "This is all my fault. Yeah. This all started with a photo of a car crash. What have I fucking done?"
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: That doesn't last long, though.
0: No, she doesn't have a lot of time to deal with it because there's someone in her apartment and she gets knocked the fuck out and she wakes up and now she is in the hot seat.
1: Yeah. Quite terrifying because we know how this ends. When someone's tied in this chair, kids, they're usually filmed and photographed while they're getting clubbed to death with a fucking lead pipe there seems to be bodies here and there she's tied to this chair she's trying to get a feel for her surroundings and see what she can see and try and figure out as much as she can if there's any route of escape who else is in here with her she sees the two dead bodies in the room with her very unsettling there are cameras and lights and strobes all around her it's a kind of beautiful scene in a way, I think. It's, uh reminds you all of a sudden we've gone from this really brightly lit, wonderful stuff, dark rooms, uh, sunny days outside taking photos, to the fucking bathroom in Saw. Yeah. Basically.
0: Mm-hmm. With so a with I, lot more cameras. A
1: lot more cameras. Seems
0: like a fucking 20, 25 camera setup there. Yeah.
1: And flash, strobe flash everywhere. It's, yeah. She is surrounded on all sides by cameras and lights. It's crazy. And so beautiful because as a camera equipment junkie, like I would be if I could be, I just want to like look at every single little piece in there and look at all the stands and the strobes and the cameras and the lenses and just see what his setup is. There's thousands of dollars worth of photography equipment surrounding it right now.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. When we see this person doing his attacks, he's been masked the entire time. I'm not sure who it is, but... Jin is about to meet this person face to false face because he's going to come down the steps. <laughs> My note for this cat is shirtless late 90s porno look. He comes down the stairs with leather pants on and a leather trench coat with no shirt and no shoes on. And he's just wearing like a gimp mask. Not really a gimp mask, but it kind of evokes that to me.
1: It's not unattractive.
0: <laughs> he looks like he... Uh, has like 1% body fat. He looks super fit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say about this dude, but it's filmed quite interestingly because he's standing there in the distance and she's trying to talk to him a bit. And then the camera sort of like skitters towards her as supposed to be his POV shot. And then it's like this slow motion, closed fisted strike to her face. And then as she's struck, all the cameras start going off like
1: and if you've ever been in the scrum on a red carpet or at a photo shoot where there's multiple fucking strobe flash cameras and multiple photographers working on the same subject it is insane it is insane for those seconds that the fucking shutters go off Mm -hmm. because all the strobes go off at the same time and you can hear all those sounds you can hear all the whines of the batteries powering up as they're shooting like it's Crazy, and this is a crazy fucking scene. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's also where the spell is broken, where I'm saying he's not unattractive because he runs up, punches her in the face, and all the cameras go off. You're instantly spooked Mm -hmm. like a deer in headlights. No, like pun intended, Mm -hmm. because she definitely is. And it's so stark and so brightly lit, and you can see the spit like coursing out of her mouth as she takes the force of the impact. And he does this three times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Every time he strikes her. Now, I don't know if this is movement-based or if he has a A remote remote of some kind. Like we
1: were using last weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't working. It
1: gave up. The batteries died halfway through. But um, that's, if I had had, instead of just a camera and one continuous light setup and an umbrella and some natural light coming in through the window because I was going for some soft look. I wasn't punching you in the face under strobes. If I had had strobes and I have worked in, in a setup in a dungeon for the photo scene where we had four flash strobes set up and there was two photographers and we we're both working off the same photo banks. So every time one of us would press a button, it would remotely trigger all the strobes. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is like. He has a remote on him to trigger one camera. And as soon as that camera goes off, it triggers all the other strobes and cameras.
0: Mm -hmm. She doesn't really know how she's going to get out of this one. Neither do I, really. The cast is so small. It's not like the cavalry is coming. No one knows she's there. So she has to... uh, I don't know. What would you say?
1: Roll with the punches?
0: Roll with the punches. She has to improvise. And so... She's trying to figure something out with this guy. Ask him about himself.
1: Kind of maybe
0: flirt with him a little. Flirt with him a little bit. I don't know if this is a sex thing because this guy is a lot of, it's very image-based. He seems very image-based. He did kind of come down there with like leather pants and shit like that because she sees what's coming. Motherfucker's got a pipe in his hand. This is going in the same direction as Jasmine and as that poor unnamed woman he is
1: drawing it out a little bit more because he seems to now have his dessert right in front of him unfortunately uh it's it's handled even doubly sexily i think because he does that killer head tilt thing which sort of makes sense because he's not only sizing her up as someone to kill or trying to be creepy like so many killers do the killer head tilt thing the michael myers head tilt thing Mm -hmm. he's also an artiste So he's also looking at this and he almost could like put his hands up as framing devices to see what she would look like. You know, it's a really, a a really cool setup, I think. Um, And he does seem to be there for more than a good photo. Mm -hmm. So she asks him if she couldn't have a kiss.
0: Yeah, he seems kind of into it, but also confused because she's coming at him in a way that I'm guessing no one else that has been victim to him has.
1: Well, that probably more used to the uh, no, no, don't kill me, please, in the screaming. Yeah, or I'll,
0: or I'll do anything you want, but not being very specific, whereas she is being specific, do you want to kiss? Now, this dude, this is what it definitely is like, well, okay, this is definitely a sexual thing. Yeah. Because uh, the dude is in a... Some, uh, what do you want to call that? uh, Autoerotic. Autoerotic asphyxiation? Yeah, and he does it real responsibly. I wrote an autoerotic scene in a comic book one time that uh, never made it to the light of day, but uh, I had a very similar setup that this guy has because I was always thinking about, well, if you're into this type of thing, you want it to be as safe as possible. So you're going to have a choking point. You're going to be able to be choked up to a point, but you got a chair. You got something, right? Yeah. You got like a system that you can control. So if shit gets a little hairy, you don't want a David Carradine all over the place.
1: Yeah. So he's going to just basically chain hoist himself by the
0: neck. Chain hoist himself by the neck as he leans in for a kiss. Is he jerking it?
1: Yes. He's definitely playing with his Peter.
0: Okay, because I was watching that and I was like, it's hilarious to me that I was absolutely convinced that Jin was masturbating in the tub. But when I got to this scene, I was watching it and I just, I, was like, I can't say for 100% that he's jerking it or not.
1: He definitely is. And uh, it's handled very well. No pun intended. <laughs> um, this scene is quite beautiful for all of its depravity where he is um, choking himself to heighten his senses coming in very very close almost about to kiss her and it's very you know you get that Mulder and Scully feeling right there where it's I like they're gonna I
0: don't get that Mulder you and Scully know? feeling I
1: do and he's definitely like a very sexy looking guy wearing very sexy clothes he has this wonderful mask on too which mm-hmm. could be seen as sexy by some mm-hmm. people so for all of its depravity and all your fear that she's going to get killed any second now It is a very beautiful scene. Like so many other scenes in this movie filmed very, very beautifully. And it goes on a little long too, which is nice.
0: Mm -hmm. Before the kiss actually gets initiated, he asks her if she will accept him.
1: I suppose she is going to, if she's going to say, yeah, let's kiss.
0: Mm -hmm. It's very, it's a very loaded question though. Will you accept me? Not because I would think that much in the same way that perhaps he feels simpatico with this woman Mm -hmm. because he has been observing her. He knows that she is trying to reconcile these dark, twisted, demented thoughts that she has. He, too, has probably been struggling with that his entire life. His has manifested into this fully formed thing. He didn't have a jasmine in his life to rein him in. Jin could easily be this guy. Yeah. she Given time. She was flirting with masks. She was flirting with the urge to kill. And there was only so far her fantasy would take her. Could this killer just be the final transformation that she is denying? And now that Jasmine is dead, what is stopping that transformation? There is a point where you could possibly think... That maybe she's serious,
1: and then you could be like, "Oh, I'm writing a new ending to this. It's a love story. It's a love story. This yeah, this is they're where into they kiss it. and they get married, <clears throat> and they they go and kidnap Anson. I don't know.
0: Yeah, they become a murder couple. Yeah, which happens. Uh, no, uh, so it's a big fat ruse because once she gets in there for the kiss, fucking what does she do? She like fucking trips him or she kicks uh, she. she
1: She kicks his legs out from under him.
0: That's right. She kicks his legs out from under him. And then once he falls to that chair, he's fucking hoisted on that chain. And it knocks her over entirely. And he starts choking. Mm -hmm. And uh, hangs her for a little while until she grabs the chain and pulls as hard as she can. now he's completely hoisted up off the ground. And he just like chokes and chokes and chokes and then dies.
1: Yeah. Because she's smarter than that. And that wasn't how she was going to go down or become completely given over to this sickness that has been infecting her this love of the macabre and death so this movie could actually just end here with her panting in the corner surrounded by her dead friend and this random dead lady and the dead killer hanging there it could even end there we we keep ending this movie i'm so sorry mr pang we don't mean to keep ending this movie because i'm glad that you don't end it in all the places that we've noted um she unmasks the killer mm-hmm. a lot of people hate this sort of shit i love it because we're owed it by this point we are yeah. fucking owed to know who this guy is mm-hmm. even if it was a random we didn't recognize it would be fine but i want that mask off mm-hmm. also i kind of want to see what he looks like because it's kind of kind of
0: hot yeah, yeah 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 i'm of two minds of it i think that it's not necessary to know who this killer is and when films opt to not unmask their killer, I get it.
1: I'd I'd have been fine with it too, but isn't it fun when we unmask them?
0: So who is this guy?
1: It's the owner of the bookstore. He wrote down her name, phone number, and address when she signed up to be a member of the bookstore when she bought the Art of Death book, and I guess that's all it took for him to be like, oh, this girl's into the same thing as me. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna stalk the fuck out of her and then share my
0: art with her. It's hard to see all those rippling muscles under that white button-down shirt he was wearing.
1: It always is. It always is. It's how they <laughs> trick you.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: So that pisses her right off, of course. I mean, she was just as pissed off. I think she's taking off a lot of her anger on for Anson <laughs> on this guy, and rightfully so. So she spends some time with that lead pipe in her own hands. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. beats the
1: fuck out of this guy.
0: Yeah, especially when she looks over, and of course, there's Jasmine's body still sitting there, right? So. yeah. Well, we're treated to one more scene with her mother, where when her mother gets home from work and sees that uh, she's now painted this beautiful photo, Jin has painted this beautiful picture of, uh, I guess it's Jasmine.
1: It is. It is Jasmine. And there's flowers. It's like a multimedia, mixed media um, oil painting with uh, silk flowers. It's really, really, really pretty. It's probably the prettiest thing that she's painted. Mm-hmm. After all, we've seen of her adding blood streaks to nude models and photographing roadkill and chickens being slaughtered. So it is very, very pretty. And she still has bruises from what mm-hmm. happens. When her mom gets home from this business trip, she's very concerned about like what happened to her face.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she's I, like hesitates at telling her mom because how are you gonna you're gonna sit her down for two days and tell this whole story because that's a long story your mom's been gone for a month this is all unfolded over weeks and to just explain these bruises on her face with like oh yeah i'd escaped from a maniacal killer that murdered jasmine like that would just be not quite enough information so her mom is like unnerved by her hesitating to even speak and explain these bruises and her mom says Mummy should trust you which is the weirdest line in a way because what we would almost expect anyone to say is you can trust me
0: mm-hmm. yeah she repeats this over and over again Mummy should trust you from the beginning yeah saying in her own way that she's sorry for not believing her as a little girl
1: Which leads us to believe that that conversation they had on the phone was exactly about that. And they had a really good conversation. That's why she'd been so happy the day before Jazz went missing. Mm -hmm. So very, very sad when you think about it. But Mm -hmm. either way, she's going to probably, hopefully, tell her mother everything that happened. Yeah.
0: Because she's she's very hesitant because she doesn't think her mother's going to believe her. Because she didn't believe her last time.
1: And it's quite the story to tell. Imagine telling this story to any of your friends, let alone your mom. No matter what she is going to tell her mom, her mom will believe her.
0: Yeah. And then in the last, uh, before we get out of there, there's the revelation that she, Jin had indeed killed her cousin. She was the one that pushed him down the stairs. I thought that that was pretty obvious when she initially told that story. She's like, oh, my cousin died by falling down the stairs. I'm like, "Mm, falling down the stairs. I think
1: that's a 50-50. There's a lot of people that would not have got that whatsoever. I'm sure that there are people who see this tiny line of epilogue at the very end of the film that went... Oh, my God, she's a killer.
0: Yeah, she did. Kill, I, I, I don't know. To me, maybe it's my horror brain. I'm like, well, she obviously killed him.
1: And the way that she figured that that solved her problem, she I think I knew that she solved her own problem.
0: Yeah, she killed him.
1: So what did you think of Abnormal Beauty?
0: What did I think of Abnormal Beauty? I think that Abnormal Beauty is quite a good film. I think that uh, there's a lot to recommend about it. I think that people going into the film... Should go in expecting a kind of a, a couple of different movies going to be happening over the course of the ninety-eight minute runtime, and I think that it deals with, um, it, it it deals uh, uh, very frankly with a, a homosexual relationship. It deals very frankly with abnormal psychology and the road to becoming a killer that I think is very seldom looked at. I think that a lot of times in horror, what we get is the end result. And sure, there's lots of horror movies where we see killers become killers based off of revenge or or a very specific traumatic event. And then like a week later, they kill somebody or the, the, the horror movie, whatever the fuck, like, you know, those types of stories. But very rarely do we get a story where early childhood trauma Gives way into extraordinarily dark thoughts and a mental illness that is brought to light, and then a person struggling with the fact that they do not want to become a killer. Yeah. And because it, you, if especially if you hear about, uh, if you hear conversations with convicted serial killers, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of them will say how, you know, oh, I wish that I had gotten help earlier, or I just couldn't stop myself. Berkowitz comes to mind or uh, Ted Bundy comes to mind people who knows if you can believe them or not because they are suffering quite deeply with mental illness but at the same time it's something that is interesting to look at but it is slower it's it's a lot slower right and I think that the movie works without the, this the the killer stuff at the end but the killer stuff at the end is a nice little reward for people who want to watch a horror film that get a little bit more familiar elements of horror so, yeah.
1: And it does help bring it back and make her a much stronger person at the very end when they've gone through this entire journey with her to the point that she's come to terms with her own darkness and come to terms with her past and seems to be fully healed. Mm-hmm. So, it's only when she is a fully healed, strong person that she can go through this final horrible trial Mm -hmm. um i like that even though it is grossly exaggerated it also covers a journey that an artist may go through with some sort of dissatisfaction or frustration with their work through the almost frustrating and dissatisfying journey that is becoming happy with your own work Mm -hmm. I, i like that i like a lot of things about this movie on many different levels and it's a shame in a way that it's not more widely celebrated because i think it's a great film and more people should see it
0: well this episode is the step in the right direction oh completely and you just wait when it gets a big fat re-release by shout factory or arrow or something like that that takes our recommendations how to do the slipcover box
1: yeah that'll sell a million copies right away
0: yeah It'll bring to light this film that has been ignored.
1: What do we got next for him? Next, we have a little bit of a continuation with our Asian film extravaganza with Rigor Mortis. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's going to lead us neatly into Kronos. Mm.
0: Because we're going
1: to get out of Hong Kong and we're going to go into Transylvania, sort of. We're going to talk about vampires.
0: (laughs) If you guys have a film to recommend to us, or if you just want to say hi, you can hit me up on Twitter at Deadairnipe, And or, that's it. Or you could bother Lydia at Typical Lydia. Nah, just bother Wes. It's a lot easier.
1: That That's where it makes sense because I might not sign on often enough.
0: Whereas I am touching my phone all the time, even right now. He certainly is.
1: And because photography is so near and dear to my heart, obviously, because I picked this film specifically because it's all about photography, if you dig photography too and you dig our show, you can go and check out the new About Us section that we mentioned a couple episodes ago on the splatterpictures.net website and see our shining faces and read up a little bit about us
0: yeah and also all our contact information is there too you can find us on twitter and instagram and our facebook page
1: yeah and yeah. leave a note there if you want yeah and that's it
0: i'm last night
1: and i'm typical lydia
0: and you've been listening to dead air